Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Rolay. And together we form the Pet Shop Boys. <sighs> Any ideas? I'd guess it was late 80s, early 90s hip hop. You know, just. That would be an incorrect guess. <sighs> it's actually from the UK, probably 2000s, could be 90s, I guess. Hmm. But they were super pop music. So, because talking today about popular trends. Oh, I see what you did there. See? It gets worse every time. (laughs) (laughs) I only actually know about the Pet Shop Boys because of an Eminem song. Hmm. Never actually listened to the Pet Shop Boys. I couldn't tell you much about their music. Gotcha. I just know they're pop and they're British. That's all I really know. I'm just going to keep guessing that everything's a Tribe Called Quest reference. That's probably safe. Yeah. You'll be correct probably half the time. Perfect. <clears throat> yeah. And the other half, I'll just make you infuriated. So <laughs> I win every time. <laughs> I get messages about people not understanding how you don't understand my references. I get like three of those, let's be honest. And they're all Jeremy Ho. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Shout out, Jeremy. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about trends we like seeing becoming popular and climbing and training. And this actually became a much bigger topic than we originally thought it was going to be. So we've got a lot here, not our standard top five list. Yeah. Um, We do have a few top that we want to talk on. Um, And then we'll kind of do just quick, fast lightning round, Hmm. you know, climb like Adam Ondra, Alex Magos, yellow lightning round. Yep. That's what we'll call it, the yellow, yellow lightning round. round. Yellow lightning round, yes. I like it. Um, and we'll just shout out some other ones we like seeing. But let's start with a, kind of a kind of a big topic right now, actually, that I hope to talk more on in the future with some experts in the field, and that's strength training versus losing weight. Yes. I think that's a really positive trend in a lot of ways, not just in body image and um, general health, but I think it's better for your climbing, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and kind of on this entire topic in general, as far as trends we like, you know, I think it's um, a lot of the things, a lot of our episodes, we tend to call things out. Well, we're haters. Yes. um, Very much so. We're crusty. We've been here forever. Um, It's true. But yeah, you know, I feel like it's more common you hear people um, kind of criticized nowadays and like we can be guilty of that. And so I thought it was, we both thought it would be important to say, hey, these are new things that are coming out or that are popular and we're behind it. We think it's really cool. And we Um, had a lot of them, which means we're way happier than I like to project that I am. Yeah, this list just kept growing. I know. Um, Kind of bums me out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so this first one is, uh, strength training versus 
like kind of strength training in general, but um, also in respect to getting stronger versus just losing weight right. when trying to improve a strength to weight ratio, yep. which we're in a strength to weight ratio sport. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no way around that. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a fact. Um, and it's, I really like that getting stronger is a more popular thing nowadays than just mm-hmm. losing weight. Um, and especially, honestly, especially for women, um, because I feel like for men getting stronger, like it's not always just been the go-to, but it's been a little more, mm, it hasn't been stigmatized the way it has with women. Exactly. Um, you know, so I think it's really cool. Like, and it's awesome to see women who are really strong, like, and there's so many out there that are just like, they put in the work and they're so fucking diesel. Yeah. Like it's really cool. Um, but yeah, just strength training in general, like it's cool to see. I mean, longevity in the sport is great. Like general health. Um, like you said, I think it makes you a better climber. Yeah. I think the increased athleticism you get from learning to move heavy weights around, you know, is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a big, there's a lot of talk about injury prevention and uh, frankly, the best way to not get injured is to be strong. Yeah. You know, um, I would much rather walk into a climbing gym and see a bunch of people overhead pressing kettlebells than doing a bunch of rotator cuff band exercises. Mm. You know, if you've recently been injured, those exercises are great, but the way to prevent needing to do those exercises is by getting stronger to begin with and not being afraid of moving heavy weights around. Totally. And it might seem counterintuitive, like it's a body weight sport Mm -hmm. for the most part, but it's pretty damn rare that the forces we're putting on our joints, on our muscles, are body weight. It's not like we're moving really statically and slowly and Mm -hmm. all limbs are equal, you know, we're making pretty violent ballistic moves to pretty small edges that are asking our joints and our muscles to do pretty impressive things. So swinging a kettlebell around isn't really asking all that much, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to mimic those forces using little bands or just body weight exercises. It's, it's going to be pretty helpful to lift some weights. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think one argument that, um, and I, I was guilty of this and it's something I try and look out. I try and, you know, obviously I think most people like the idea of questioning their own assumptions. Um, and I think one that a lot of, a lot of us are guilty of is we look to the most extremes, right. Um, with certain situations. So, I've been climbing since 2005 and back then, first off, no one like it was in the age of Chris Sharman, Dave Graham, like Mm -hmm. you got better by climbing. They didn't train. So you didn't, I mean, that's just what that was philosophy. Like no one said anything else. Right. But there was also the classic, um, trope of, well, you know, look at big guys who come in, who lift weights, you know, they, they're really strong at lifting weights, but you know, they can't climb hard. Right. And it's like, yes, if we look to the most extreme, you're right. But we can do that with anything. Mm-hmm. I can look and say, well, look at these guys who only hangboard. They're really bad rock climbers. 
Like, does that mean hangboarding's bad? No. I can say, look at these guys who live at Miguel's and can climb every day. Yeah. And they really suck at climbing. Yes. So. Like, we can look at anything to its extreme. Yeah. Like, nothing taken to its extreme, for the most part, is really, is good. Um, and so that's just, that's not a good argument, and it's not something to really hang your hat on. Like, it's the same thing, you know, if you look at, like, stretching or yoga. A little bit can be great. Yeah. We can look at these super flexy, gumby yoga people who have no strength, and we can say, well, this is what happens when you do yoga. It's like, no, that's what happens when you do, like, you know, 30 hours of yoga a week, maybe, and you don't do anything else. Right. But that is an extreme. Um, so with strength training, and I think there still is a little bit of hesitancy with people because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to be enormous. I right. mean, frankly, like... But yeah, it's like... If I could have enormous forearms like Eve Gravel, that would be uh, great. I would love that. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not trying to get huge. Yeah, but... And I've been lifting weights a long time. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hard to get huge. And you are not huge. I'm not huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I love seeing that strength training is getting more popular with people. Um, it's great. I think it's just going to make people people happier, healthier, um, climb harder, have a long, much better longevity in climbing. Um, cause man, nothing's worse than being hurt. Like no one likes that. Yeah. I mean, I just posted a video on my Instagram of a problem I did in the gym, a Peter Boxamichi project and it's super shouldery, mm-hmm. you know, I set it that way on purpose, yes. get in these little boxes, be super shouldery. And I got several messages like, you're going to blow up your shoulders. And I'm like, I'm actually prepared to be in these positions if my feet cut. Like mm-hmm. I'm preparing for worst case scenarios for needing to access even more strength. So these aren't particularly strenuous. They're hard to move through, hard to find the right positions to let go with one hand. But otherwise, they're not taxing my shoulders to that degree because I've spent a lot of time lifting weights and getting myself, you know, strength training in specific ways to make myself stronger for these positions. Yeah. You've strengthened your shoulders enough that you have a buffer of strength. These are not hitting your maximum level. So they aren't dangerous because you aren't bumping up against that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, for me, that's why I think it's a trend I really like seeing, but I also like seeing that it's helped the the idea that your body changing this way is doing it because it's, you know, it's this tool that's doing these really cool things, these amazing things. And it looks this way because of that. And, and it's just becoming more and more accepted to be muscular, to be fit the way that, the way that athletes look, you know, that might not have been the accepted way for in some women's minds and some men's minds as well. Yeah. Um, but it's becoming more and more accepted in, in, within themselves. And I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. Next one. Where are we at here? Um, well, we're not, we're not doing this in any specific order. So clearly not. Cause you just went right to the middle of the list. So, um, so that was my the, list. that was the top of my list. Okay. So <laughs> we'll check next to that one now. Um, I think this leads us well into sports medicine. Yeah, good call. Um, you should do this for a living. Oh, thank you. Um, 
So I think all coaches should have some sort of general understanding of whether, no matter what your specialty is, but of strength training, of skill development, and of sports medicine to some mm-hmm. degree. Yep. Like those three things <clears throat> all are interconnected. Um, and it's really important to try and have some sort of understanding of all of them. Um, and I think sports medicine, like this ties well into strength training. Uh, it's been making some really cool leaps and bounds in the last, you know, I mean, realistically, I'm sure they'd tell you in the last like 20 years, but more commonly in the last few years. Yeah. Like um, the last three or four. Yeah. It's uh, really started to come on. Like there's been this gap um, between physical therapy and being ready to return to sport. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people still deal with this. If you work with um, physical therapists who don't work with athletes or things like that, you know, they'll give you these band exercises or whatever. And they're like, okay, cool. Like you can now get a peanut butter jar off the top shelf of the cupboard without any pain. Right. And you're like, that's cool. But I could do three one-arm pull-ups right. before this surgery or mm-hmm. before this accident. And they're just like, well, okay. Yeah. You know, and there's, has always been this really big gap between the two. Um, but when it comes down to it, good sports medicine, like good rehab should be very, it should look almost identical to training. Mm-hmm. It's just lower loads and, yep. you know, maybe it's restricted range of motion initially. So you're going to build up into it, but, um, it's really cool to see. Um, it's been really cool to see sports medicine start to blend more and more into, strength training and really working with athletes yeah and to make it accepted to go and see somebody you know that's becoming more and more common and it's a a thing i'm really happy about because like you said it's important that we know a little bit and for me i find that it's really important that i also understand what i don't know Mm -hmm. you know yeah and if it's out of my scope, which let's be clear is very, very small when it comes to sports medicine. Um, you know, I'll, I feel comfortable with a few small rehab sort of scenarios where something might've been tweaked or something feels a little funny and we can handle that. Mm -hmm. But once it gets beyond a certain point, I feel much more comfortable handing it off to somebody else. And totally, and we're building a good network of people who, I don't have to say, go see your physical therapist, go, you know, talk to your doctor and go see a physical therapist. Now I can say with the injury you have, I'd suggest you go see Natasha Barnes or you go see Carrie Cooper or you go see Tyler Nelson or mm-hmm. Esther Smith or, you know, there are all these people that we can now refer out funnel to. people to. Yeah. 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 And if you're a coach who's listening mm-hmm. to this, like never be afraid to say, I don't know. Like I'm not familiar with the situation and refer out because, you know, we can't like, it's important to have knowledge in all these different fields. Mm -hmm. But I mean, when it comes down to it, like I see myself as a skills, like as a skills coach, um, I have experience as a strength and conditioning coach. And I did that to make myself more well-rounded. And I read a lot when it comes to sports medicine, but yeah, man, like if someone has an issue, like I don't even I don't blink at referring out like yep. we've made great connections with people and like there are a lot of really great people in climbing and just in physical therapy nowadays like 
So yeah, if you're a coach, man, don't hesitate to say, hey, I don't know this, but I'll help you find someone else who can know, who will know this better. Yeah, and we'll know, you know, we've got a fairly robust network at this point around the country. So we'll likely know someone near you or at a climbing area you're going to be at soon or, you know, it's going to be fairly easy for you to get in contact with somebody that we know and can send you to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a coach listening, build that network, you know, talk to those people, send them an email, ask them how to go about referring people, whatever you need to do, because, you know, we, we can't all be strength trainers, skills coaches, physios, nutritionists, wellness coaches, all of the things, you know, at some point you're going to be out of your scope in one thing or another. And I think this is a common place. Every climber who's pushing themselves is going to get hurt at some point. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a really cool part of, of seeing that job appear, you know, in the last few years, this, now there are physios who come to to the performance climbing coach seminar or who we talk to who are like, Oh, I've only worked with climbers for the last two years. Mm-hmm. You know? That's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool for them. And it's great for climbers, man. Like, you know, you look at what you did for elbows or fingers, man. When I started climbing, like if you hurt your finger, like what I was told was you rest for however long it takes to stop hurting. And then you double that number before you try and climb again. Mm. And for a lot of people, that was six months total. Like, I heard so many people say, like, oh, you hurt a finger? Like, rest at least three months. Try climbing. If it still hurts, rest another three. Hmm. That's, I'm glad I never heard that advice. Man, like, that was, <laughs> I mean, that was just, like, the standard. Yeah. Like, when I started. Funny. And, yeah, it's like, you think about it now, it's like, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Right. Like, but, so it's really cool that, you know, in our little sport of rock climbing, that sports medicine and knowledge has started to really trickle in. Um, and I think this kind of carries us through to, um, our next up next topic. Yeah. And that's science. You know, there's, there's more and more, more and more science, more and more studies, more and more people doing research, um, more and more data coming into climbing and informing a lot of the decisions that we're making as coaches, as trainers. Um, and I think that's super important. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it can go overboard like anything else. Yeah. Um, but used wisely, I think it's massively important to pay attention to that stuff. Totally. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, this is another thing like, you know, I try and learn from as many different perspectives as I can. And I feel fortunate that, that, that there are people, so many other people in climbing who do read research, who do all these things. Like I'm not trained to read research and I have a lot of respect for that process and understanding that like, yes, I'm, I'm literate. I can read, right. I can read pages, but like the thing is the difference between being able to read something and truly understand it from the perspective. Like, like, yes, I took statistics, like, but that doesn't mean I can read a research paper and understand how they applied statistics in it. Like, I don't know how developing like all the data collection works. Like, I don't know a lot of these processes and I, my ignorance 
kind of holds me back from being able to see those things and like read for biases and like mm -hmm. see what are issues in all of these different papers. And so I feel super grateful that there are other coaches out there and other people who are out there reading these things that I can communicate with. Um, yeah. And ha kind of have those connections with to be able to um, learn more from. Yeah. That's I'd, in fact, I'd say that's one of the things I'm most proud about with this team is that we've got a group of people who, who are, who click well enough, but are also diverse enough. You know, like I can, if I find a research paper that I'm like, I don't know about this, I don't really get it. Mm -hmm. I can ask Paul to read it or I yeah. can ask Jess to read it and they're going to understand it better, mm -hmm. you know? And if, if there are numbers and data then I'm like, this doesn't quite make sense, I can ask Dale and he's going to have an answer. Yeah. Um, so, I appreciate that there are those people out there too. You know, Tyler Nelson obviously totally looks at a boatload of research. Prolific. Um, like 400 papers a day or something. That's what it seems like. Yeah. And then Taylor Reed with Beta Angel mm -hmm. um, has a great collection of research papers on his website. Yeah. Um, Lattice obviously is doing a ton of work with data and with research. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's, I mean, there's quite a few out there and, and I follow a lot of these people on Instagram and just try to pay attention to what they're excited about. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I have to dig into it and completely learn it, but watching them and understanding, trying to understand what they are getting out of it helps inform my decisions quite a bit. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I think there are like... It's really cool to see. I mean, Tyler is a good example of someone who, man, he'll pick kind of like a small, narrow facet of something, and he looks at it from every angle, and he turns it over. Tyler lives in 12 rabbit holes at a time. It's remarkable. <laughs> like, it, But, I mean, you know, he can be like, I'm looking at isometrics of elbow flexion, and he can just dive into it for months and read every paper known to man on it, yeah. and it's really cool. Like... Because for me, like, I am interested in those things and I want to learn more about it, but I can't, like, that is not me. Like, right. I can't do that. I know I wouldn't survive. Like, I have other things that I want to do. Totally. But it's really cool to see him do that. And, like, he's been awesome. Like, we message back and forth probably at least once a week. Um, but, yeah, so it's, like, I feel fortunate to have other people in our industry Mm -hmm. who are really like pushing these other realms that I find value in. Because, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think it's great. Like, you know, all ships rise, all ships lift with a rising tide. Whatever. Yeah, words. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, I think, like, I feel fortunate that there are so many people out there really digging into that. And, you know, I it, this just got brought up by what you were saying, and it's not one that's on our list, but I'll just throw it in here really quick. I also appreciate that there are more people today willing to share this information, to share their oh, ideas, yeah. to, you know, share the way that they're training people than there were five years ago. Yeah. It was pretty abysmal five years ago and people didn't want to share. They didn't want to talk. It was this mm -hmm. secretive, weird little. Everyone kind of kept their cards close thing. to their chest. Yeah. And 
And I'd like to think that by putting this podcast out, by talking to other experts, by dragging things out, we've helped advance the idea that it's okay to talk about your ideas, yeah. your techniques and what you've learned and, and that it just makes everybody better by doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the trends I really like seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's great. I completely agree. And that wasn't even on the list. No. Um, but spitball in here, you know what that really does. It blends in well to social media. Um, oh, yeah, it does. And Man, we're killing this one. Boom. So <laughs> this is one that actually like may have been the impetus for this entire um, episode. But Instagram videos mm-hmm. like and videos in general, videos in general. It's so easy to YouTube now. Like, yeah, it's so easy. Like taking video of yourself and seeing yourself climb is invaluable. Like yep. it's unbelievable how many people don't know what they look like when they climb. But with Instagram or just video in general, a lot of people video themselves now to share it, which forces them to then watch themselves. Mm-hmm. And if anything, sometimes they become hypercritical because they're like, well, I'm sharing this. Yeah. Which means they're going to climb better. It's wonderful. Like, it's it's almost like cheating from a coach's perspective. Totally. And, you know, I, I've been known to hate on people's moonboard videos on their Instagram. But really, I think it's a pretty damn good trend Yeah, to have that stuff up there. Mostly because I don't have to follow you, so I don't have to see your moonboard videos. But if I need to, you know, if... If we end up working together and I want to see you climbing, I can get on your Instagram and watch 50 videos over the last two years of you climbing indoors, climbing outdoors, repeating things you've done, trying projects. I can see everything I need to see in in your Instagram profile, you know? And it's so hard as coaches, and you know this, We've all dealt with this. A lot of the older clients especially have a hard time with like filming themselves. Oh, yeah. They're like, it feels weird to film myself in the gym. And mm-hmm. I'm like, is there a moon board in your gym? Because if there's a moon board, there's 12 people filming themselves at all times. There might be a permanent tripod. You don't know. <laughs> so it shouldn't be a weird thing at all. Yeah. So I just think that trend, that the proliferation of film yourself sending and celebrate that send, you know, celebrate the mistake, celebrate the, the effort you put in, whatever it is, is a good trend that goes along with this videoing. Yeah. You know, I think it's huge. Yeah. I think it's great. It's a wonderful learning tool. I mean, so many sports, like you watch videos, like that's what you do to get better. Like, I mean, that was, that's what teams do. They, after a game, they sit down and they, watch game film you watch films like and especially with something like climbing where realistically you can't do that many moves in a day if you're bouldering and you're trying hard so like you can only get so much value of on the wall time but if you can when you get off the wall look down and be like oh what did that look like when i tried that move um and if you can say oh like i didn't even realize the second i went for the move my knee turned out instead of going in like there are a lot of disconnects between what we feel happen and what is actually happening. And we can really close the gap, the gap using video. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's like, it's <clears throat> funny that this is a, you know, a, that this is such a trend that I, yeah, like, you know, with moonboard videos or whatever, like when you first saw, see them, you're like, oh, I don't know. But like now I think they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go as far as saying moonboard videos are awesome, but I do like that people film themselves in the gym. I like to see what people are doing, you know? Mm-hmm. I get a ton of feedback on the stories I post whenever I'm in the machine shop and I'm projecting something. I like to film it, and it does several things for me. Number one, it lets me watch what I just tried, and I can see what's going on. Then I'm forced to sit there while I'm posting it on my Instagram story, so I'm not just jumping right back on the wall and trying again, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm actually being forced to rest a little bit. And I just get tons of feedback from people who are like, these are great, post more of these. And I'm like, you too, post more of these, Yeah, you know, post yourself doing this. Um, so yeah, keep, keep posting your videos. It's, it's going to make you a better climber, frankly, mm-hmm. the more you post it and being proud of what you're doing is kind of an important part of doing something yeah no totally and honestly like your friends probably care like i mean at this point i have friends all over the country and like like ravioli biceps is a good buddy of mine i love getting to see his like his Mm -hmm. climbing man like the day he did black beauty i was like man i was jumping up and down i was so psyched like yeah he he was jumping too because it was a moon board um yes (laughs) i see what you did there but just kidding but yeah like it's cool especially if you have friends like far away like it's kind of like getting to session together um so yeah do it this could slide us into the either of the next two but uh, um let's go with the moonboard connection that's what what i was thinking okay um yeah so the next trend that we like seeing is that old school training tactics have kind of come back which is mirrored boards, spray walls, um, woodies, and standard boards, so like moon board, tension board. Um, basically just non-commercial setting. Yeah, and and you know, I'll go as far as to even say that it's been fun to watch some of the people who are outdoor climbers, who are regularly training on boards, also occasionally climb on some commercial setting because frankly you know when I started climbing there would be occasional problems in the gym that were weird mantles or strange slabs or fun run and jump type things Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that stuff can be really valuable you know if you watch the original I think it's the first Masters of Stone there's like a 20 minute montage of of running jumps and double dinos and paddle dinos and yeah. you know, all this crazy stuff that everybody nowadays are like that never, that'll never exist on rock. And there's a 20 minutes of it on real rock in this video from the early nineties or something, mm-hmm. you know? So we would mimic that stuff back then. So it is fun to have that commercial stuff, but I, I do like that a lot of, the direction that things are moving for the serious outdoor climbers are to the boards, to the project walls, to home woodies, um, to, to training. Mm. Yeah. I think that's super cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really great. Um, 
it, because especially when we started climbing, this is something we talked about in the spray wall uh, episode with Will and Mike Rosato. But um, one thing I, that I thought was really valuable was making up your own problems. Yeah. Um, when I first started climbing, it was, I mean, climbing indoors, it was ubiquitous with complaining about turnover. Mm-hmm. Like anyone you talked with, they're like, oh, my gym takes like six months to turn over their problems. Right. And that was everyone. So what every gym did is they just filled all the T-nuts and you set a lot, like you would climb as much of the set as you could. Maybe you projected some, but then you just did makeups. Yep. Like everyone in the gym had makeups and like, if anything, like the set boulders, it's like, okay, cool. That's whatever. But like the makeup problems that, that became followed, the fun part. Those were always the best boulders. Like, and it makes sense because like setters have such a blank canvas that it's actually like setting can be hard for that. But when you already have a hundred holds on the wall, like you can make something great really easily. Mm-hmm. And you get to experience so many different styles. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I appreciated about climbing back then and that I'm really appreciating again in the machine shop is that, you know, I was climbing with guys of different sizes and, you know, there was Angie Payne who could hold on to every little crimp that you could put on the wall, didn't matter what size. And then there were guys who were super, super powerful. And, you know, if if we were all in the gym and... Ben Safty and Lauren Lee and Angie Payne and Josh Dees would all make up problems. They would all be radically different styles and you'd get to try everybody's problem, mm-hmm. you know? And that just, that raised the level of everybody. Yeah. No, absolutely. So. And setting your own problems, you learn how movement works, which is like a really cool aspect of, being a root setter is like you don't understand movement. Like it's such a fast way to understand movement as setting moves. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to be using a wrench <clears throat> and putting holds on and off. Like you can just be using a spray wall and set your own problems. And suddenly you start learning like, Oh, this is what happens when I combine two underclings or this right. is what, like this is the limitations of grabbing a side pull across my body or things like that. Like, suddenly you start seeing these little rules pop up of like, I can only do so much with this. Yeah. And there's definitely like commercial setters will tend to, and I totally get this because I fall into this trap because of my love of holds of like, Oh, that's a right hand. This is a left hand. This, this is meant to be used this way and they'll use it that way. Outdoors, that doesn't really happen. You know, it, you can't say, there are a lot of times when I'd say, oh, this would be a really cool left-hand pinch. Mm-hmm. Too bad it's a right-hand Gaston, you know? It, yes. That happens all the time outside. Half my favorite holds are just like randomly on the wall in the middle of blank space. <laughs> I know. I'm like, this is a really cool hold. Everyone come grab this. And it's like, Nathan, this is like a foot off the ground. Right. I'm like, I don't yeah. care. But did you feel it? Yeah, I have so many times hanging on a rope while, you know, resting after falling, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I wish this was part of the sequence. It, yeah. Know? Whatever. But that doesn't happen indoors. It's You're always grabbing the holds the way they're supposed to be used. And and on boards, that isn't always the case. You know, mm-hmm. either someone else has already kind of broken the, 
you know, the rules and used holds the wrong way, or you're going to do it making something up. And that just, that really helps you start to bend and warp the way that you see sequences, the possibilities that you can see, and it forces you to learn how to use holds that aren't super comfortable all the time. Yeah. You know, and that's important outside. Unless Absolutely. you climb in the red and then every hold is comfortable. Perfect. They're all great. Um, but yeah, so old school climbing or old old school training. So Yeah, and frankly, I think it's just like the better way to progress your climbing for outdoors. Yeah. Period. Th- <laughs> Absolutes. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing else. Can't yeah. argue. Totally. Yeah. That's all we do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that, again, we're getting good at this, leads us into this last one in that you know, a lot of these boards, spray walls, home woodies are happening in people's garages. They're, they're investing in their own climbing, in their own training, in themselves, period, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And it's become really accepted to invest in yourself. Yeah. And I think that's partly because I make a living because people are okay with investing in themselves. But I think it's a really important and valuable trend. Yeah. No, I like I completely agree. This is one that, you know, and you see this outside of climbing as well. People who, you know, they're like more people are reading books or like, and this is just an investment in time, like listening to podcasts. They are, you know, they'll pay for a meditation app, things like that. Like they're like, they're more concerned about how am I eating? How am I sleeping? Like, can I, you know, can I get a better pillow that's going to help me sleep better? You know, can I get blackout curtains? Mm-hmm. All these little things where they're investing back in themselves um, and kind of more of a move away from just simply material investments. And that's really cool to see. Um, yeah, and that's something that I definitely see a lot in climbing, in the climbing community for sure. Like people care about their health. They care about their performance and, you know, they're willing to invest in themselves. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, I've heard this joked about multiple times, and you can debate the validity of this method till the cows come home. I don't really care. Is this how LeBron spent one and a half million on himself? <laughs> no, but I'm not debating that. I'm not debating that either. Good job, LeBron. No, but when you like go to a climber's house and you're all hanging out, almost inevitably it becomes people on the floor with lacrosse balls and foam rollers and somebody with a theracane and you know, they gotta be a theracane somebody with an arm aid and everybody's just sitting around practicing this self-care hmm. and i've been in so many climber houses and get-togethers where that happens yeah and ultimately that's all i'm concerned about like does the research say that foam rolling does anything? I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It it allows us to put more attention onto caring for ourselves, you know. And if if you can lay on a foam roller in the middle of a party of people and not feel weird about it, then good job. Yeah. You know? And and that's what I see happening more and more and more. And I think that's amazing that that we're willing to say I care about this sport, this lifestyle, this thing, whatever it is to you, I care about it enough 
that it that it's going to permeate pretty much everything I'm doing in some way. And like you said, I'm going to pay attention to my sleep. I'm going to pay attention to what I eat. I'm going to roll on a foam roller if it makes me feel better. I'm going to go to yoga if that makes me feel better. You know, I'm going to go running even though I hate running. Whatever it is that people are doing, it's it's better for their sport and they're okay doing it and making it known that they're doing it, posting it on their Instagrams and saying, I'm taking care of myself, mm-hmm. you know. I think that's important. And spending money. Yeah. You know, it it wasn't cool. Yeah. When it, when we started this thing, it was not widely accepted that you got a climbing coach. I mean, you were an adult. Yeah, adult climbing coaches, that's like I mean, has I mean, it's still on the newer end mm. of things, but like Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, it's really just a few years old when yeah. it comes down to it. That was not a thing. Yeah, like maybe uh, like Arno Ilner, like yeah. um, ment- like a mental coach, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Shong was doing it. Yeah, and kind of similar field. I think Duncan Brown in Australia was doing it a little. And, you know, there were a few scattered around, but mm. but it was not a career for most people. No. You know, Arno was kind of trailblazer in that respect Mm -hmm. and that he really went all in and and made it okay to do you know and all the people following us included have benefited from that becoming a trend yeah so i appreciate that and you know all of the people that we work with rhino skin and tension and you know all of these people are making livings because people are interested in investing in themselves and in their climbing. Mm-hmm. You know, Tension sells their training tools because of it. Rhino Skin sells their products because of it. Gnarly Nutrition sells their products because of it, you know. So I think it's massive on a lot of levels. Yeah. You know, I think it's just, honestly, I think it's a good way to live life. Like, you know, if you're going to spend all this time and thought in climbing man, you know, invest in yourself and you know, yeah. If you're like, take care of your body. These are important things. Yeah. And sometime around the time this will come out, there'll probably be a new book you should buy. Just Boom. saying. Probably help you. <laughs> you should invest in yourself and in that book. <laughs> all right. You want to hit some of these, uh, uh, lightning rounds, yellow lightning rounds. Yes. Yellow Alex lightnings. Magos, yellow lightnings. All right. I'm gonna pull out my, Pen to check some boxes here. I, I got to check them off as we um, go here because I know we got some doubles. All right. Uh, first, I'm just going to go with this one. Comfier climbing shoes. That's um, a good one. I think that's huge. Yeah, like climbing shoe companies are making really good shoes nowadays. You don't have to downsize them nearly as much. And I don't see people downsizing their shoes nearly as much. Like I've been slowly, very slowly upsizing because um, I've yeah, I started by just crushing my feet and like mm-hmm. I got used to it. My feet like got strong in this little balled up position. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's great that shoe companies are making shoes better and better now and people don't have to like smash their feet. Yep. And all y'all who are wearing shoes so comfortable that you can just walk around in them all day. Not what we're talking about. Stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you shouldn't be able to do the approach. But yep. 
All right. First up for me, uh, social outreach programs. Oh, yeah. I think the fact that like what Kevin Jorgensen and So Ill have done, what mm-hmm. my friend Tyler did with Climb Malawi. Um, Memphis Rocks. Yeah, the Memphis Rocks gym. All of those companies, individuals, nonprofits, whatever, who are who are reaching out and trying to get people who otherwise wouldn't be exposed to climbing into it. I think it's great. It's a fantastic sport and full of great people. And, you know, why not expose more people to it? So, yeah, that's one I like seeing become popular. Yeah. Um, to kind of tag off that, uh, gyms in metropolitan areas. Totally. Um, you know, here, like here in Houston is a great example. Like you look at uh, Silver Street downtown and it's an incredibly diverse population there. Mm-hmm. Like in Houston, super diverse, like, but it's really cool that that many more people have access to climbing. Like it's really rad. You go into a place like that or any of the places that we go and yeah, climbing's growing in a really cool way. Yeah, totally. Um, and since you said that, I'll just add on the the diversity groups who are all popping up and you know making noise i'm so fucking glad that they're making noise and and that they've allowed me in on some of those conversations very briefly and in very small ways but like um brothers of climbing and brown girls climb and all of the groups that are out there promoting diversity within the sport i think are just making the sport better in general so i like seeing that one yeah um, so I'm going to go ahead and say climbing memes, meme accounts on Instagram because <laughs> they're great. I don't care. There's like a million of them now. And they I are. definitely thought we were going to hit a saturation point. They they're hilarious. Shout out rock and talking robots though. Uh, rock and talking robots. Also, uh, RIP Chaucy DMs. Yeah. Like if they ever make a comeback, like you've, you've got my follow. Yeah. Free, um, free Chaucy DMs. We're going to start that campaign. Yeah. They were a uh, group of women who were posting basically just super skeezy DMs that they were getting from uh, just heinous people. And, and Instagram uh, shut them down. Yeah. Twice. Twice. So, yeah, Chaucy DMs. Uh, keep. Yeah, bring back Chaucy DMs. Yeah. All right. Um, how about hand jammies? No, I'm just kidding. Hand jammies. Those should not become popular. No. Um, <laughs> less people wrap cleaning on spore climbs. Yeah, totally. For uh, real. Like, repelling's dangerous, y'all. Like, yeah, let's just stop doing that entirely. Yeah, it's easy to replace chains or wrap rings, like, on anchors. They last for fucking ever. Like, And to be, I'm going to be perfectly blunt and honest here. If you're dumb enough to think <laughs> that it's a good idea to continue wrap cleaning sport climbs, then you're dumb enough to wrap off the end of your rope. Period. Yeah. Or to screw it up in some way. Yeah, like... There's just more opportunities for messing up. And a lot of sport climbs are overhanging. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, chains, wrap rings, they're easy to replace. Like, if you feel bad about it, donate to a lo- your local uh, climbing coalition or bolt replacers or whatever. Yeah. Or replace them yourself. Yep. Um, Speaking of local climbing coalitions, the conservation movements that are becoming more and more trendy, I think, are great. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. it's super smart. Um I just recently heard that Tommy Caldwell's gonna, he's planning to try and do some big conservation movement in Wyoming at the Climbers Festival. Oh, wow. I would love to see it happen. Don't know if it will. There's lots of political wheels that have to 
you know, show up in place. But I think having people like Tommy and Alex and other top climbers talking about conservation and other big uh, groups coming into it and, and building that, that world, I think is hugely important and, and I'm glad it exists. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of what we do isn't sustainable in the long run as far as bolts and things like that. Like they need to be replaced. Like there's a lot of things that need to happen and it's cool that people are really stepping up for that. Yeah. And you know, I'm definitely not talking conservation like what the idiots in 10 sleep did with red locks and smashing bolts and all of that. That's the opposite of, of conservation. So we're not at all talking about that. We're talking about the, the companies who do it in a really sustainable and positive way. And I just wanted to shout out to my friends at the climbing initiative, a new, new company who are getting started, new nonprofit, um, trying to do some global work in the conservation space. So shout out to them. Nice. Um, I have one other. This should have been on top of our list. Ooh, I got some more. I got a bunch. Okay. Uh, people viewing climbing as a sport. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Like, yeah, but it's one of those things that, um, and treating themselves like athletes at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and this kind of goes with investing in yourself, but, uh, you know, like 10 years ago, there was this idea of, Hey, don't take yourself too seriously. Right. And climbing isn't just a sport. It's a lifestyle. People used to get mad about it. Oh my gosh. So mad. Yeah. Like people would just be like, you're taking things too seriously. I don't know if you fucking drank water during yeah. out at the crag. Like, <laughs> hey, it's not climbing if you're not drinking beer or yeah. things like that. Totally. But yeah, like people view themselves as athletes now and it's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that it's like our sport is progressing because of it. Like there are people coming out and I mean, we had a workshop where um, it was a 12 year old girl was in it. And she's warming up and I was like, Hey, so how are you feeling? And she was like, well, I haven't done my dynamic stretches today. Cause I got here a little late. So <laughs> I'm a little bit stiff, but as I warm up, I'll probably get my full range of motion. And I was like, mm, what? Like, <laughs> then, yeah, it's like, but this is just <clears throat> like, it's a new level and it's cool to see, yeah. man. Yeah. And you're right. It is a new level and it's gonna, you know, that's where the next level comes from is more and more people, viewing it as something that important yeah like so. you know and they're not like doing <clears throat> crazy insane like uh you know these aren't far-fetched things it's just like oh like i'm hydrated mm. i try and treat my body as if it's important to me like yep. yeah just covering the fundamentals like an actual athlete would so that's cool i like seeing that yeah same and along that same line i think Another cool thing that's coming in that I like seeing, and I think it's going to get bigger and bigger in the next three, four years, is training specific gym spaces, like Mm. crux conditioning. Oh, yeah. You know, that are um, weightlifting, fitness, climbing gyms, but not birthday party gyms. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not risking having a bunch of kids running under you. It's not all going to be new world cup style setting it's going to be very focused on you getting better outdoors you know places like gp81 in new york um and some gyms are really putting a focus on just having that 
big section in their gym, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's, that's huge. And I hope to see more and more of that and more and more of these gyms like Crux popping up all over. Yeah. And that leads me into my last one, which is that climbing is, can be a career now for a lot of different people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, I had these cool conversations at CWA last year with Boone Speed and with Typhoos and with Jared Roth and all these people who I've seen in the industry for years. And we've all sort of reinvented ourselves multiple times doing different things, new things, creating things and finding a way to make a career out of it. You know, we're all still here we started doing it because we loved climbing we tried to make money at it because we loved climbing and now we're making a living at it because we love climbing you know and i think it's cool that climbing can is growing enough because of all of these things that it can provide careers for such a wide range of people so yeah no, it's super cool. I mean, you even you look at like route setting, like yeah, it's uh, a career now. Yeah, it's I not was, a trade for your membership thing anymore. Yeah, I was a route setter for just over six years, and I quit because I couldn't afford to be a route setter. Yeah, like, and that's just how it was. But <clears throat> now it's like, man, it's a fucking career. Like, people have like benefits. Like that's super cool. Yeah, I was talking to Mercedes just recently at the performance climbing coach and. She works with the root setters at Seattle Bouldering Project. There's a there's a day where the root setters get paid to come in and do mobility and strength work with her to, you know, make sure they stay healthy. Yeah. And they're getting paid to come in and do that. That's awesome. I think that's fucking amazing. Yeah. So Yeah, so good job climbing. Good yeah. job coming along. I also appreciate that hammocks are a growing trend. Get out of here. Especially across the trails Uh at your local crags. Uh, Noob cocoons, I believe is (laughs) what they're called. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. I hadn't heard that before, but I like it. It's a Mikey Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that, Mikey. And yeah, thanks all of you guys out there listening for making this a a viable thing. You know, these, these trends are becoming popular because of you all out there you know because you all love this shit and you're zealots and you won't stop listening to this podcast and buying things and investing in yourselves you know god forbid you should do that but it's becoming a cool it's a cool time to be in this industry and to be involved in this sport lifestyle whatever you want to call it whatever it is to you yeah I just need to pick a word. I'm just going to use sport from now on. I think sport. Like, let's take ourselves seriously. Yeah, sport. So, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I, like, you know, I've been doing this 16 years, and I can honestly say, like, I like I think this is the best time to be a part of it. Did you ever think seven years ago that that this could even be a viable career? Oh, God, no. It never occurred to me. This wasn't an option. Yeah, I remember when I got my first Google AdWords check from the Power Company blog that was like, 
a hundred dollars for a year or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, I made it. Oh man, that's another stream <laughs> of income. Only four more streams of income away from the average millionaire. <laughs> so it's, it's very, very cool. And you guys are the reason. So if you want to invest more in yourselves, you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. And please come and follow us on the Instagrams. You can find all of my videos of me climbing on there uh, in the gym. So you'll get to know the holds very intimately in case you ever happen to stop by Wyoming. And you can follow us on the Facebooks as well, both at Power Company Climbing. You are at Nate Drolet on the Instagrams now, correct? Correct. Used to be Crux Padwell. Used to be. No longer. No. Paul was still tagging you as Crux Padwell all the way up into December. I did not know that. Yeah. Clearly, I wasn't. (laughs) I was not being notified (laughs) of these things. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, it it always acts weird whenever I try to tag (laughs) Nate now. I'm like, yeah, it's because he's Nate Drolet on there now. Yeah. Switched it up on us. And uh, you can find Nate on Twitter, probably, but it won't be Nate Drolet because... We don't tweet. We scream like eagles.